0: And welcome to episode 114 of The Crux of the Story. This is Gary Scheffer, and I'm a professor of public relations at Boston University's College of Communication. My co host is Mike Fernandez, whom you all know. Mike's the chief communications officer at the global energy company Enbridge, and a former BU professor. Used to have the office right next to mine where I am today here on Commonwealth Avenue. Hey, Mike.
1: Hi, how you doing, Gary? What's the weather like there?
0: I'm doing well. Well, we just had that big storm come through, and and um, I'm hoping it's over. Uh, tonight's the last class that I have for the semester, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But I'm not looking forward walking through a uh. nor'easter, <laughs> a rain nor'easter, to uh, to get there. How about you? You're in Nashville. I'm in Nashville.
1: In fact, my team is going to be talking about the positioning of our company as well as what we're uh, looking to do in the new year. Uh, That's why I'm really excited about this topic uh, in terms of what do you have to think about in terms of positioning companies for the future? How best to do that? Does it make a difference? Uh, you know, We're in the oil and gas um, dis- uh, transportation business, and we like to say that tomorrow is on, and we're all about embracing the future, not denying it by investing in new technologies that uh, make our core energy business cleaner and safer while investing... On the other hand in renewable solar wind lng rng hydrogen ammonia carbon capture Uh, but at the end of the day you wonder uh, both of us gary have been involved with cases for large companies we've had deep and long conversations about what do you do to better position uh, for the future but also how do you better position so that um, you have a customer base that's responsive and and, you know, and is ready to go with you and your your products and services.
0: Right, and your story. You know, for, for a long time, I tried and to... your
1: story, absolutely.
0: I tried to put together a strategic sort of narrative for GE at, at its height. And when we were in nine or 10 gigantic industries and it's tough, it was very difficult. It was the hardest thing I had to do in my time. And that's our topic today. Is
1: uh, well, and part of it's about alignment too, right? right? Getting everybody on the same exactly. page. Exactly,
0: and that's hard when some of some of those folks are doing loans to mid market <laughs> tractor companies, and other people are building jet engines. So, uh, so let's uh, let's jump into that. Um, we're you know we're focused on the crux on the role the communications plays in business, economic, social progress. Uh, our guests today are going to talk about and have um, have expertise in s- strategic storytelling and how that supports a, uh, an overall business strategy and success. Uh, Martin Reeves is our guest today. He's the chairman of Boston Consulting Group's Henderson in- Institute. BCG's think tank dedicated to exploring and developing insights from business, technology, economics, and science by embracing, quote unquote, the technology of ideas. He's a regular contributor contributor to Harvard Business Review, MIT Sloan Management Review, Fortune, and other management journals on business strategy and management. Martin is the co-author of the book, The Imagination Machine, An Executive's Guide to Harnessing Imagination for Corporate Reinvention and Rejuvenation. Since joining BCG in 1989, Martin has led a broad range of strategy assignments in the financial institutions, consumer goods, industrial goods, and healthcare sectors. I discovered uh, Martin's writing this past spring when I came across an article in Harvard Business Review he co-authored entitled, Your strategy needs a story. I highly recommend it to in-house practitioners and agency professionals as they try to think about how to explain their strategy to stakeholders. Tomas Kellner is also here with us. And if you ask PR practitioners, who's the best corporate storyteller? Many will say Tomas, who is the director of own storytelling for artificial intelligence at Amazon. He previously was the Head of Storytelling at GE, where he bailed me out many times, and where he built GE Reports into one of the most admired corporate platforms. It has been recognized by the Financial Times, Inc. Magazine, and the Brunswick Review. Dimash is a former journalist at Forbes and elsewhere, and was a Fulbright Scholar through Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism. Sorry, that's a long introduction. Martin and Tomas, welcome to The Crux of the Story.
2: Thanks for inviting us.
3: Thanks so much, Gary.
1: Welcome to The Crux. Each week, two of the world's top communicators take you behind the scenes of the news of the day to explore the crux of communications that are shaping business, politics, and our daily lives.
0: Hello, this is Gary Shepard.
1: Hi, I'm Mike Fernandez, and we're glad to be with you from Boston University.
0: Martin, I'd like to start with you and the piece you co-authored for HBR on strategy and story. In it, you and your co-authors wrote, through stories, mere facts and information are turned into a shared mental model of how the business works and where it is heading. Knowing how to construct such a strategy story as a shared and evolvable mental model can not only improve implementation, but greatly increase a company's rate of learning, which can be a competitive advantage in today's fast-paced world. So Martin, you've written about a lot of management topics. Why did you feel um, compelled to write an article on strategy and story?
2: Well, in a sense, because nothing could be less plausible. The, the strategy has this great um, analytic and, and rational and deductive heritage and and when we say stories, I mean it may conjure up ideas of, of fiction and entertainment, so it really doesn 't fit with the uh, the ethos of the strategy discipline, but there 's an inconvenient t- truth in strategy, which is very few strategies are uh, implemented um, I- effectively in, in fact, a recent study showed that only twenty eight percent of uh, managers could name even name the priorities in their company 's strategies, let alone show that they 've been implemented. So I think part of this gulf between good ideas to create competitive advantage and actually getting them done is this ancient human art of the story. And I'm sure we'll unpack that a little little more, but one of the jobs of a story essentially is to convert something uh, inhuman and perhaps incomprehensible and complicated into something that engages and activates people. And that has a lot to do with the implementation of strategies. So that's why I wrote about this Uh, As as a
1: strategist, Martin, one more question about the piece. It recommends five steps for building a strategy story. You talk about establish the factual context, leverage the power of questions, write the strategy story, test it, tell it. Uh, could you explain, particularly point two, leverage the power of questions? Um, you provide some sample questions, but maybe in the age of generative AI, we should call them prompts, I guess, to ask in areas such as product supply and demand relationship. Take us through a little bit of, of how that process might work.
2: Right. Well. A strategy needs to be a story, it needs to be understood, uh, it needs to be interesting, it needs to engage, it needs to create action. But it's not any story, it's a story of how to create competitive advantage. It has to be grounded in in facts. So mm-hmm. a little challenge arises, I think, in constructing stories which encapsulate strategies, which is how can you both incorporate an analytic and a factual perspective uh, and engage the, the broader set of people that implement a strategy. And I think uh, in that respect, I make a very strong claim, which is I'm not saying a strategy is like a story. I'm not str- saying that stories help strategy. I'm saying that a strategy is a story. It's a special type of story. In fact, it's a fictional story. It's grounded in the facts of the present, but it creates a new reality and that was very much the theme of my book the imagination machine and on very long time scales great companies create new realities so they take an idea of something that isn't true and they cause it to, to be true they they create a new reality and um, how do you do that well i think questions are are, are really uh, critical because questions can do a number of things number one they are open a strategy is not an not an obvious thing a strategy has to be sought after and and uh, the facts need to be struggled with to come up with a great strategy so so questions are are open they they prompt investigation rather than the assertion of things that we know. and um, secondly, questions can be used to orchestrate collective inquiry because in a sense, strategy is collective inquiry. it's a group of people saying, "How can we make this company better? How can we create new realities?" But those same questions uh, that guide the collective investigative process can also give structure and bring to light the story, uh, which then activates the people that are uh, to, uh, to implement it. So if we take the, the, the classic 5W2H set of questions, the, the why, what, who, where, when, how much, then the, they form a very particular sequence. Uh, they have to start with the why, um, which is you know, why, why do we need to do this? What is the, what is the need? Uh, what's the, the gap in reality that we're trying to plug? Um, they have to touch on the what, which is how are we going to resolve the tension in the story? How are we going to create the new reality? And then they have to get into the details of, well, who's going to do that and, and how and, and when and, and, and how much? So in that, that, that's the sense, Mike, in which questions are a, a really critical part of structuring the process of st- strategic inquiry and also the finished strategy.
1: Yeah, well, and it's interesting. I I mean, I I love inquiry and love what it can lead to. But this is really a special type of questioning because you almost have to take people from where they are and help them imagine and connect to where they want. To go or where they aspire to be, and then kind of create that connective tissue that allows you to connect A to Z. That's not easy, is it?
2: No, not at all. No, and and this is um, and this is not a new idea. The um, the sociologist Charles Tilley talked about the necessary characteristics of a successful social movement, and and he said that a social movement needs to be worthy to be successful. In other words, the people engaged in it need to see it as a worthwhile thing. Those people need to be united, aligned, uh, would be the modern word. Um, they need to be numerous. You know, The, the, the strategy can't be an, an, a niche, a complex thing that only interests five people. Uh, they need to be committed. Uh, it's not just enough to know or to understand. There, there needs to be an, an activism, a, a movement to action, a prompting to action, and the, the proponents of the strategy need to be sufficiently diverse. Uh, that they're, not, they're not just preaching to the choir. They're preaching to a broad group of people of, consisting of many, many different types within the company, but also uh, the customers. The customers also need inspiring to embrace a strategy that they may not have, uh, they may have, may not have seen before. And so if you think about those things of worthiness, unitedness... Numerousness, committedness, and diversity. A story can help with a with with a lot of those things. Uh, how you tell a story can make it seem worthy, non-trivial. Um, they can uh, it can unite people around something which is, um, you know, exciting to retell. Um, it can engage broad common denominator across across people and so on. So, um, not not easy. But we know we know by definition that very few companies have sustainable competitive advantage. And, and so, of course, the st- constructing the stories and, and implementing the stories of, of those advantage strategies is, is not easy. But fundamentally, I mean, we're, we're, we're humans. This is a strategy this is a human collective activity and therefore needs to embrace human instincts for, for sociality and, and, and curiosity and retelling curious stories and uniting around something which is purposeful.
1: I'm curious, I mean, strategy starts from a root word in Greek that fundamentally means choice. And what I always worry about when companies go through this corporate storytelling that's attempting to be strategic is we sometimes tend to try and envelope everybody, every organization we already have, and as a consequence... Rather than making a choice, there's the tendency, I think, sometimes to create a patch quilt so everyone can see themselves. How do you deal with the balance of trying to direct a strategy that creates a focus, a focal point, a direction? a series of choices versus the possibility that you may be in an all of the above environment, but not all of those bets are necessarily going to pan out.
2: Yeah. I mean, a strategy is not just a list of all desirable things. It it can't please everybody. Uh, It can't be merely a description. Um, And also it cannot be all of the facts. Um, I think there's Pretty sound scientific evidence now that shows that people are not moved by data; they're moved by stories. So a strategy story needs to be of the essence. Uh, it needs to make uh, choices, and it needs to bring those choices uh, to, to to light. And um, actually, the, the word strategy uh, comes from strategos, the mm-hmm. the art of the general. So yep. it's originally a military yep. term. And um, and the idea of storytelling was was. Formalized by the, the famous uh, German military strategist von Moltke during the Franco-Prussian War of 1870, so he proposed something called Auftrags tactic, and the idea is that in the fog of war, an instruction set which is overly precise is useless because you know things unfold in ways that we don't anticipate. Uh, therefore, um, Alftrag's tactic was the art of uh, Translated into English, it means a sort of commander's intent. It's the idea of transmitting down the line, uh, down the military sort of organizational line, the the, the 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 basic intent rather than just the details. And the idea is that providing the intent is preserved, the details can change. So strategy and strategy stories are very much indeed, uh, Mike, about choices and communicating the. The the essence. I'd, I'd, I'd add especially today because with the very raw, fast rate of change due to technology, we need our strategies to be adaptive. They will always encounter circumstances that were not anticipated. Uh, you know, Tomasz,
0: I want to follow up with you on something Martin and Mike were talking about: finding an essence and uniting people around a strategy or a cultural. Uh, value, I guess, is another way to think about it. So, how do you find focus for your work at a company as sprawling and global as Amazon? What's the essence? How do you find that essence we were just talking about?
3: Well, Gary, I think it really goes back to the strategy, right? So, the strategy, sort of, what sort of is the basis for the strategy? Is the unifying element? Element, um, you know, here at Amazon, I'm part of the Uh, cross-company AI communications team. And uh, my role is specifically focused on finding and telling compelling Amazon stories that involve AI and specifically generative AI. And, uh, you know, the, the goal is to really show how Amazon is using AI and also illustrate the company's leadership, right? That's sort of the strategic point. So you start with With the AI, that's sort of the rallying, that's the unifying platform. And then you look at the different businesses, whether it's uh, the stores. You know, how is AI helping customers shop on Amazon? The advertising business, operations, you know, logistics. You know, how is AI helping Amazon get the package to your home faster so you can get it in a single day? Uh, So all of the, you know, you can use, Amazon is you know, a large company just like GE. You know, many different businesses doing many different things, but there is you can have this one prism, sort of this one focal point that sort of unites that point of view. That's the connective issue tissue. That's the platform that everything stands on. And if you start telling these stories from that step, from that point of view, you kind of start pulling in a, in in a direction, in one direction. And even though you're telling many different stories, they are thematically uh, very similar. So that's one way. Uh, how we approach it. At least that's how my team right now uh, uh, approaches strategic storytelling around AI.
0: And and, and Tomas, how hard is it? You know, traditional PR and communications has always been about us, right? In other words, we like to talk about our own capabilities and tell the story from the inside out. And that's sort of a broadcast model. To be, as Martin mentioned, people make decisions based on a set of values and emotions rather than a, you know, being bludgeoned over the head with facts. How how does, how does a company like Amazon tell it from the customer standpoint or the supplier standpoint uh, or a societal uh, standpoint, uh, your work in AI? I mean, you
3: have to, you start, often what we do, we start with the customer. In fact, like you always start with the customer. So what is the ultimate benefit? How do you experience it? You know, is it a better advertising or is it the is it easy is it is it because you can find the, the part the, the the product that you're trying to buy online faster or easier are you finding the right thing? Or is it getting the package to your home faster? And sort of there are these, there are these tangible benefits that you may not even know that AI is in there. But um, that's we use that as the sort of the The wrapper. That's what. That's what. That's the engagement part, right? That's how you engage. That's how you connect. And then we back out from there and really try to explain sort of that technology. This is, you know, the fact that you get your, you order your package in the mor, you order your, your, you know, pen in the morning and then and you get it in the afternoon is really possible because all of this technology that's sort of running under the hood. And that's, you know, that's one way how we try to approach that story.
0: Interesting. How do you, how do you? You're you're the owned guy, right? You're you're producing. How do you coordinate? I I, I just like to understand practically and tactically the storytelling at Amazon. How do you coordinate with paid and um, the paid side, particularly marketing, advertising? Number one, we don't folks.
3: really do any paid. I mean, we are trying to. It's the owned guy. We're trying to build our own publishing yeah. machine, and uh, you know. Full disclosure: I'm just one part of it. As at GE, you know, uh, GE was a very large company uh, that were not that many own storytellers. <laughs> uh, Amazon is really putting a lot of emphasis on own. So there is this whole, bit, you know, yeah. there's this whole publishing team that runs our. Publishing platform that's called About Amazon, Uh, AWS has another sort of a version of me that runs sort of their own content. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of emphasis on own and really trying these stories. Uh, That said, you know, we are interesting. The, the way you sort of we try to make sure that these stories connect with people, you know, we put we focus a lot on channels. We lo- we focus we we trying to ensure that the channel is overlapping with the right audience, right? We have uh, uh, we put a lot of emphasis on search, like where do people find our stories and how do people find our stories? So uh, there are many sort of aspects that you can use to you know telling a good story is not enough. There are so many good stories. You have to really connect with, that, with, with with your audience. At the same time, paid is not the only way to connect with your audience. To put it in. There are many other ways to do it.
0: Thank you for saying that. I had many battles with the marketing and advertising teams over budget. so. I'm- but, you know,
3: I think, you know, one thing it's like to be, you know, you know frugality, that's sort of another, you know. <laughs> and um, and I think what what happens with the story the storytelling on a calm spot, and I think that's really the, the value is, and you could see it at GE uh, to a degree, probably see it here as well, though not as much is that you find the story, like we do the groundwork, we pull the story out of the ground and then, you know, the BBDOs of the world and others kind of swoop in and uh, they have those big budgets and the big bucks, and they turn those stories into, into movie co- in a TV commercials and sort of other assets. That's at least how I work at GE. Um, so I've seen many, you know, GE Report stories turn into uh, components of a, of a TV commercial. But uh, really finding, and it, but it goes to the power of the story, right? Like finding the right story that tells, uh, that has the right protagonist, that really tells you something new in a new and unique way then sort of resonates. So even these sort of jaded uh, advertising folks, you know, who've seen it all, uh, kind of say, hey, this is really cool. Uh, Let's do something with it.
2: Yeah, I'd like to pick up on something you said, Thomas, about um, resonating. You know, if we think about companies, just think randomly about names of companies. I mean, some of them we we don't know much about, right? It's hard to tell a story. And, And others, we not only know the story but we tell other people those stories. You know, we 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 nobody's paying us to tell those stories. We tell heroic stories about companies like Tesla, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Toyota, Berkshire Hathaway. Why? Because we have exciting viral stories to tell, which seem to be of the essence, mm-hmm. which seem to illustrate, you know, a larger purpose than you know producing a certain amount of profit um, in, in 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 a certain period. And and that's um, the economic value of stories. I mean, if you have a powerful story. Um, you don't need to pay somebody to tell because mm-hmm. uh, because the story itself travels it has it has it has virality it 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 causes others to uh, to, to, to repeat those stories uh, on this idea
0: is are companies good at strategic storytelling or telling the story of their strategy and the reason I ask, Martin is in my class and my business class which I teach in the spring, one of the things I do is assign students to find the strategy for a company that they admire. And often, it's very hard for them to do. In other words, a straightforward statement that says, here is our strategy. It gets mixed up in mission and purpose and values if you if you go through the websites. And, the, and so, in a lot of cases, uh, at least in my experience, companies are Confusing strategy, let's say, with purpose,
2: is that is that right? Yes. Yeah, I think I, I think um, strategy stories are are very challenging on two levels. I mean, it, it's it's hard to come up with strategies which create sustainable competitive advantage, especially in a changing world. You know, markets arbitrage away advantage. I, I may have a. I may have a new widget, and somebody's going to copy the widget. I may have a great business model; somebody's going to copy the business model, um, or even deliberately undermine the business model. So that's hard. But assuming you've got that, then telling telling that in a way that doesn't require a binder full of data, um, but 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 communicates the essence and inspires and incites others. I think there's an element of strategy which is akin to political activism. It's not merely enough to inform; you actually want to. Uh, cause your audience to repeat the story, virality, um, and and also to take action to, to buy something or to tell somebody else to take uh, to take action. So that's that's pretty hard, and all sorts of things get in the way. I think comprehensiveness gets in the way. You know, let me tell you everything. I think technicality gets in the way. You know, as an expert engineer, let me tell you all of the complicated details. I think trying to please everybody. You know, here's a piece for you. Here's a piece for you. That gets in the way. I think the separation of communications and strategy gets in the way. I mean, often companies have their communications team, and then the strategy team, so they're not really treating communications as an integral part of strategy. So lots lots of things can can get in the way. But nevertheless, we do have this collection of companies that we we that are successful, and we love to talk about it, and we have a story as to why they've been successful. The uh, my favorite is. Um, uh, one of our clients, the uh, Wildlife Conservation Society that I mentioned in the article, and they run the, the Bronx Zoo and a number of other institutions. They also uh, actually fund uh, conservation work on animals. And they had, um, of course, the poaching of elephants and ivory, that's, uh, you know, a, a threat to the um, to the existence of elephants. And Uh, And they have a lot of scientific research and they could have come out and said, like, here are the correlations, here's what the evidence says, here are the technical details, here's everything that everybody needs to do. But instead, they boiled it down to a campaign which was called 96 Elephants, 96 being you don't know what 96 is. And then you read and you figure out, oh, my God, that's the number of elephants that are dying every day. Very vivid, very simple. So there's your there's your problem. And then it was three things. It was stop killing. Stop the trafficking, stop the trafficking, stop the demand, and anyone can understand that, and it seems very worthy, right? It seems like yeah that's a cause I could sign up for. It was tremendously successful as fundraising um uh, campaign, but also tremendously successful at communicating um this the messages penetrated and diffused worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it informed mm-hmm. a program of, of scientifically informed action to stop the killing, anti-poaching action, to stop the traffic the trafficking, um, um, to stop this sort of importation and movement of, of, of ivory, and also to stop the demand at source by working with Chinese and American legislators to to outlaw the business of selling ivory. Um, in, in each of these respective uh, con- countries. So that's, uh, that's a strategy. It's a successful strategy. Um, it's something we can all understand. Um, and it was, it was a very um, carefully crafted communication. And if you get it right, it looks like most things in life. It looks extremely simple. It looks almost trivial, but quite a lot of struggle to get to that uh, perfection in communications.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Crux. On The Crux, we discuss the intersection of communications, business, and society. Follow us at The Crux on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and on our website at thecruxpodcast.org. Now, let's get back to the episode.
1: I really like that, Martin, and 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 kind of a maybe a question for both Tomash and, and Martin is how do we know what we're doing in this space is successful? <clears throat> the reason I ask that question is because I think as a society, as business people, we tend to go to examples of successful companies, and I sometimes wonder if the successful company might not have, might be divorced from the storytelling. And yet there may be unique instances where the storytelling itself helps drive the strategy. So how do we know that strategic storytelling is working for us? First Tamash and then- Well, Raman.
3: you know, I, it comes back to data and lots of measurement, right? So uh, just looking from the, from my perspective, and specifically what we do at Amazon, I mean, we measure everything and you sort of start at the big, you know, sort of at the top level, sort of you, you can measure, you can measure sentiment, sort of are, we, are these stories? Are, are they moving the needle? Uh, you know, are people reading the stories? Like how much time are they spending with these stories? Um, you know, are they sharing them? So what is the, you can sort of go deeper, like who is reading these stories? Is it, are, is it the right audience that, that we want to reach? So that is sort of you, you can get um, a, sort of a rich sort of a soup of data that can tell you uh, insights onto as to whether you're, and again being, going back to that word resonating, whether you are telling stories that resonate with the intended with the intended audience that you want. You know one thing that I wanted to um, uh, to stress is that we are not trying to tell stories that are just for everyone. Because I think you really have to come into this with some audience in mind. And again, based on research, you know, you can sort of start with an audience saying, we believe that this audience is going to help us move the needle. That's sort of how you start on say uh, Amazon's uh, leadership in AI. And then you start telling stories to that audience and uh, you know, you do it for six months, you do it for a year and then you come back and you measure it. Has you know has this been successful? Uh, did we achieve the goals that we wanted to? Are they you know are is this audience thinking about the, what what we are doing in, in AI differently than they did uh, a year before? So um, you know it really it really comes it really comes back down to measurement and and uh, and then you know uh, I think data is really important. Sort of having firm data, then you can get sort of into the sort of a more vague. Um, notions of you know like sentiment uh which is which is which is sort of more squishy uh as to you know whether uh you know what you are doing doing right and it's also you know the sentiment could be sort of massaged based on what questions are you exactly asking
2: yeah i'll give you a similar answer but with 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 a twist So, so i think if we think about the jobs to be done by a story that transmits a strategy i mean first of all it needs to make sense it needs to actually be a strategy secondly uh, you know, it needs to be communicated. Strategy is often a, a thick binder of complex analysis that doesn't get communicated widely. But how could a company implement a strategy if if the people responsible for implementing it don't know about it? It has, it has to be understood. It has to um, inform action. Um, it, it has to be this sort of form of political activism. It has to incite action. It has to travel. A story must be retold, amplified to reach not only the employees, but the customers of the the company too. Um, Now, in that evolvability, uh, you know, the story needs to be retold and to evolve. Sometimes a story acquires a life of its own, and that might seem worrying um, with respect to strategy. But um, in strategy, there's a thing called emergent strategy, which is you try and do one thing and And something else happens as a result. And that actually becomes the strategy. Um, Accident and uh, adaptability are are, are part of strategy. There's something serendipitous about strategy. And so there is a sense in which stories emerge from reality and are not just deliberately created. At the beginning of the process, they're deliberately created. But they, they evolve sometimes in unpredictable ways. And if they get the job done... Of creating the ultimate results they were aimed for and engaging their audiences, then um, then I think we have to ex- accept that you know a strategy is not an entirely top-down, unchanging uh, deductive affair. It has mm. it has emergent details, but we must be careful because a strategy is an effective strategy. Story is not merely anything that entertains. And um, uh, Mike, you mentioned AI earlier. We now have this um, large language model technology, which is remarkably good at saying things that sound like they've been said by humans and therein lies the rub um merely sounding good is is not enough so the um uh one of my favorite books is the book by uh, the analytic philosopher harry frankfurt who called bullshit on bullshit and he defines bullshit as being distinct from lying because uh, he says that both the truth teller and a liar are concerned with the truth one to tell a falsehood, which stands in opposition to the truth, the other to tell the truth. Bullshit is the desire to appear plausible with no regard for the truth. It may be truthful or untruthful. And so this technology has a dark side, which is its, it's plausibility. But plausibility or entertainment or engagement alone is not sufficient for a strategy story to be powerful. Uh, Harold Burson used to
1: say something very similar. He used to say that uh, to truly communicate, we have to purposely sustain or change a perception, a behavior, or a business result. Everything else is just noise. And I think to your point, the challenge sometimes is we can't just give in to the cute and clever. We have to do things in a way that are helpful. Now, some of those things that we do that are helpful might be things that we realize along this evolvable pathway. And then they themselves can become proof points, even though we didn't initially think of them as as emerging but they emerge and they give us additional reason to believe in the strategy
0: tomas i want to i want to ask you again getting back to sort of the practice of uh, storytelling around strategy is um th- you wrote recently on linkedin about uh, what you mentioned earlier, how AI is critical to getting something from your warehouse to somebody's home in an amazing time. You said planning the route of your package to your home involves many decision points as there are atoms in the universe. AI is critical to making this possible. Now, you told that story, um, Tomas, with not just written words, but with video as well, visual impact. I, and I wanna ask, um, <laughs> you know, video, particularly among um, younger people is really the method through which, or the medium through which you reach these folks. And you and I are old dead tree people, right? We're old journalists and we, we default to, to the written word. How do you transition to what the audience is demanding? Uh, these days in your storytelling, which is something short, uh, as Mike says, compelling, simple,
3: and visual? Well, I, you know, Gary, first of all, I mean, you need a whole palette, you know, basically, you need an arsenal of storytelling tools, and it doesn't stop with video, you know, I'm, I'm going to get it to that. But um, what we try to do is, and this especially when it comes to sort of complex stories or stories that can get complex very quickly, like AI, um, to an AI that doesn't in- involve a chatbot, uh, AI that actually involves innovation, robots, you know, industry uh, or logistics in this case. Really uh, tell the story visually very quickly so we can engage our audience. So people get interested. Now, if you've noticed, we've paired this video with a story that uh, breaks down the individual steps. I think there's seven or eight or nine steps that explain the different types of AI the, and, and their role they play in the different steps of the journey of of that package. So you need what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that you need the right tool to really to reach your audience. And it's like, if we, you know, if we are just talking to you and I, the story is great. If we want someone else, we go to a video. I tell you, you know, another thing. that was just an interesting, really super interesting uh, research done by Axios. Just recently, you know, some people who are under 30, a third of them gets their, get their news from TikTok. That's how they get their news. And so, Gary, if you are not telling the AI story on TikTok, you're missing a huge chunk of people who may not be the tech elites right now. They may not be yet the leaders in AI or the decision makers. But these are the people who may come. That's where the talent is. These are the you know the young uh, coders. I mean, people who are really thinking about the future of the industry. They're the people coming up with new applications with new technolo- new technologies. And if you're not, if you are not talking to them, if you are not influencing them. You are missing out. The same thing, you know. I I have two kids in college, uh, so I do my own research. So I've asked my daughter um, and my son, sort of, how do you guys get news, and uh, and how do your friends get news? And the answer was Instagram. So my daughter, you know, she's in the third year at McGill, uh, doing really well, super smart kid. But instead of going to the New York Times in the morning. Uh, she opens her Instagram and she has the right curated feeds and she sees what's there. And then what she does, she goes to Google and Googles and tries to really basically go through search, find news on that topic that engaged her in that morning, Morning, which to me gives great, great insights of like, okay, so when I publish my story, I need to ensure that it's really uh, search optimized to the health that people can find these stories because, you know, this, this idea of this aggregation that people do not go to GE reports uh, to find stories about GE, for example, that they actually search for them. Uh, they go to news aggregators, they go to Reddit, they go to Hacker News, I go to, you know, whatever their sort of choice is, uh, You and they search for them. So you have to make sure that your stories are optimized for this new environment that's out there. So it's way beyond video. It's way beyond text. Uh, infographics. It's another one.
2: Um, no, I got a painful personal story about which touches on this uh, point about tools and so on, which is so. I you know I, I wrote about I write about strategy, business strategy, and um, I, I wrote a book called "Your Strategy Needs a Strategy," and uh, the whole idea of the book is. Uh, is that CEOs would read this and think better of BCG as a result and adopt the tactics and so on um having written the book which we were fairly pleased with we we were we were reading some research about um CEOs reading habits and the, and the reading habits of different generations and it was very depressing reading i mean it essentially said that um you know even if this is a very good book um probably very few people are going to read it cover to cover. People just don't do that anymore, especially busy CEOs. So we thought, damn, you know. Um, so we we sort of stuck to our guns. We said, well, the whole point is that the ideas are absorbed and implemented. And we were forced to contemplate a different channel that we'd never used before, which is we decided to create a game-based app so that people could um, play a simulation of um, – it was actually the, a game of selling lemonade in the different boroughs of New York City – and experience in an entertaining way the ideas in the book. And then if they wanted to, they could back into the back into the written word. And I'm so glad we did that. It was a painful process because we at the time we knew nothing about making making video games. So I think I think had we got mired in the tactics of, of, of writing a book, we could have congratulated ourselves. great. We've you know've got a book that the critics like. Um, but actually it didn't achieve our original strategic purpose. So we were forced to, Innovate and meet the audience in in how it consumed uh, how it consumed information.
3: You know, Gary, I want to jump in here, and I, actually, I want to I wanted to share with you an old GE example. Remember, um, we did a bunch of stories about that uh, when we were a GE on the GE and comics. So in the in the fifties and the sixties, I mean, we were sort of in a similar moment, right? Kids were not reading newspapers, but we needed to engagement because. Uh, the Russians put a Sputnik up in space, you know, the space race was on and we needed engineers. We needed kids in STEM. And so the idea, at least for GE's part, was to, well, what is the channel? What is the, the medium that they, the kids in the 50s and in the 60s really engage with? And uh, it was comics. And so we started producing, GE started producing comics about, you know, the, the jet engine, uh, electric adventures. It was... Ele- Ad, uh, adventures in space adventures in electricity there was a bunch of other ones and they were really well done I think they hired the team that were that was uh, drawing uh, spider man or Superman uh, one of those uh, one of those big name comics so you know the this idea of of really adjusting uh, your message you know to the medium uh, is is really has been around for a while and and companies have been exploring it so it's a, you really, like you have to find, again, it's like, not only that you have to talk to your audience the right way, but also you have to find, you have to, you have to go where they are and present the, the, the content to them in that fashion that they, that they want to consume.
0: That's, it's so fascinating because I've been reading a lot about Disney lately and some of its problems and, you know, Disney is a storytelling, uh, they create stories and, Fantasies and what they use call magic, and they are typically they have been a long form storytelling company, and now young people don't want long form; they want um, you know things that are bite sized. And so Bob Iger is now, uh, as a storyteller, looking at his strategy on how he tells stories that can continue to be commercial. Um, So, Martin and Tomas, thank you so much for being on The Crux, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We'll be back in January with new episodes of The Crux of the Story. Uh, Please enjoy the holidays and come back to The Crux uh, in late January when we'll have some uh, more terrific guests and topics. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Crux, and make sure to listen for our next episode. Follow us at The Crux on Facebook and on Twitter, and you can find our episodes on SoundCloud and on our website, thecruxpodcast.org.